0: But, very <laughs> <laughs> but <very random>. <laughs> <laughs> they think you can tell us what to do.
1: You think you can tell us what to wear. You think that you're better. Well, you better get ready. The battle to the master.
2: Wrestling fans, your host was the most George McKay. I'm in the building, and I'm here with the panel, the whole panel today. I'm hyped. Steve the animal, Michelle, everyone.
0: Michelle Russo, the voice of Reason. She's back.
2: She's back, everybody. The Holy Trinity is together again, and I could not be more jacked or more excited. Today is an awesome day. Today is Faction Day. It's Faction Day. Faction Day, yeah, that's right. Gold Star. Gold Star. Some people say stables, some people say factions. I will most likely be saying stables because if I get overexcited, I will say the word fraction. I can't wait to hear how many fractions. Yeah. Fractions <laughs> will come out. And if that happens, I'm going to go ahead and do this right now. Tip, you know what? You, you just, just made, made the list. list. Oh, no.
0: <laughs> oh, there
2: you go. Put myself on the list for infinity for all uh, points of this episode today. I'm going to do a couple things. going to do shots fired rundown for some high points of wrestling this week. And um, also want to do shameless plug. It's shameless plug time. I have a new hat on my head. You can't see it. We'll post a picture of it after. Super sexy. It says 416. It's the area code where we live and breathe. The T-Dot Toronto. And uh, if you do like this hat, once you see the picture and how sexily I look at it, uh, hit up my friends at Enchanted Studio. They have uh, an actual storefront downtown Toronto. But if you don't live in the Toronto area or you can't get to Toronto, uh, you can always hit them up at EnchantedStudio897 at gmail.com. They do take orders all over the world from what I understand they ship. And if you want to hit up the studio in Toronto, it's 897 Bloor Street West. That's Enchanted Studio for all your 416 gear. Thank you, Enchanted Studio. Thank, Thank you very, very much. much. Hooking you up, hooking me up with the hat. I look so good today. I'm not even trying to look this good. It's just natural. He does, everybody. He really does. You'll see it in the picture after, I promise. Sexy, sexy. All right, so today we're bringing back a, a kind of a, a staple, if you will, in our show that we kind of drifted away from. But this is Shots Fire. And the Shots Fired, we've recently laid out a new format. We're going to discuss four high points, give each other one minute, and then at the end, I will click the gun. That means your time is up, officially. So the first point, I'm going to give it to uh, the voice of reason, and we're going to talk about the recent announcement of the women's evolution. Michelle, you now have a minute. Go.
0: Okay. Um, I thought it was a really good announcement. I think the females have been doing so much, I want to say even over the last year and a half, It's been just highlights from the female um, wrestlers on the rosters, even NXT, everything. Um, They're the ones who are stealing the show. The way I see it, in my head, it's NXT, the women's roster, and then the guys, honestly. Um, The one thing I will say that was disappointing was the crowd's reaction afterwards. It was complete silence. And I think that's bullshit for how much work these ladies put in on a weekly, not even like, or even a daily basis. Um, Yeah, just the the recognition I think was lacking, but I I really am looking forward to this pay-per-view. I think it's gonna knock it all out of the park. And I can't can't wait to see uh, who comes back, uh, the matches that are put on, um, and just, yeah, I know it's gonna be an incredible night. So congratulations to all the ladies. I know you'll you'll make everybody proud.
2: Congratulations ladies. Oh, you just made the buzzer. Just made the buzzer, but yes, absolutely, congratulations to the ladies, it's well-deserved. Now I'm going to talk about one of my man crushes, Kevin Owens, and the great storyline that is going on with Kevin Owens and Braun Strowman, and this is super exciting for me because Kevin Owens, best heel in WWE right now, there really is no bones or pick about it. If you disagree with me, then hit us up on all our socials and let me know why you disagree, and then going off against, always, as always, Braun Strowman, who's like a huge face right now. Money in the Bank, the storyline, Paul Heyman being the head writer on Raw, all these new ideas are brewing, and I couldn't be more excited. I don't know what this holds, but I do see Kevin Owens somehow pulling off the win, having that money in the bank, and then definitely messing with the main event at SummerSlam, therefore, or shortly after. So that's what I'm thinking is definitely going to go down with that. Super excited to see where the storyline goes, and like I I said earlier in our little pre-show meeting, I would love to see this storyline carry out all the way to Royal Rumble, because I think four months of this, I'm okay with it. Four or five months, I love it. Totally, 100%. And now we're going to go back to the voice of reason, and she's yes. going to tell us about Becky Balboa. Uh,
0: what other word but, like, incredible. Over the last little while, Becky Lynch has been kind of stagnant. Uh, we haven't really seen her in any really big storylines. Uh, she's been more of a background player, and I think it's really nice to see somebody who's put in a lot of work, get their opportunity, not to say anybody else doesn't deserve it, but... You know, it's nice to know that she can sit there after and say, well, my hard work being on the sidelines didn't go unnoticed. I was a team player, I'm getting my shot, and the circle will continue to go on. Um, I think she'll have a great run. I know she's going to beat Carmella after that swollen lip she's already given her. Um, <laughs> there's no way I don't see Becky taking that, and I know she'll she'll carry that on for what happens afterwards. I'm kind of excited to see the the storylines, the rivalries that kind of come through with her holding that belt.
2: Let's say Selena Vega and Herger White, and I would love to see that. And now, for the culmination of the shots fired, the hottest point, the hottest button, Stevie Animal Mitchell will be talking about his man crush, Roman Reigns. It's, that
1: seems like it's the hottest button topic on the internet right now. It's ridiculous <laughs> of just how many people are just so irate at what's going on with Roman Reigns. I think it's absolutely awesome. Um, I think the guy deserves the, the last chance, and especially since, um, I believe, the whole reason that this is even happening in the first place is because of the negative reaction of expecting Bobby Lashley was going to win, and everybody expected it. And one more time, Vinnie Max steps in with, too bad, guys, sorry, but this is the way that this has to go, simply because of the, the supreme build that they've done with Brock Lesnar and a, an amazing job that they've done in actually turning him from what was the heel face to strictly just the heel. All they had to do is literally show his picture, on the t- on the teleprompter that he's coming back next week, and they booed the crap out of him. So it was it was awesome. So that being said, um, I think now that they've got the right recipe now for the the eternal heel that's holding the company hostage in Brock Lesnar, and then the hero that will come in and take the company back, and then move on hopefully to uh, go one on one with Bobby Lashley for a Universal Title. Uh, I let you go over because
2: I knew you had a point tonight. And that was it. <laughs> that was good. No, you know what? You're right. You said everything we had to say. And that, right there, ladies and gentlemen, sounds fire. It's done. It's over. And now we move on to the meat and potatoes of today's episode. The meat and potatoes being stables.
0: Yay. I was
2: about to say fraction, so I, that's why I switched to stables. But was looking, there was a lot of fractions being said in our, pre, in our pre-show <laughs> meeting. Right. No. See my work. You could make this into a, a math problem if you wanted to.
1: But it's true, though. It could be a That's the best part, is that it could be a faction or it could be a fraction,
2: because a fraction is a math problem, and some of these are legit math problems. That's no, <laughs> true. And without further ado, there's going to be no format. I'm just going to throw out theme songs, okay. and we're going to talk. And my first theme song I'm going to throw out is one I think we can start with and salivate, because kind of with the fact that there was three of them, it does make it a math problem. So let's talk about these guys. We're a three-man band. I hope that there's a lot of people laughing out there. Oh man, what a great song! They're rocking. Let me tell you, George is also rocking out here. Wait. All right, three man band. Yeah, shut that shit up. Yeah, don't go. All right, well, since I picked them, I will go first. I will say this Uh, three man band, what worked and what didn't work is uh, what worked is them breaking up because all of them have had very uh, decent uh, runs since then. Uh, Heath Slater's still kind of stuck in the tag team division with Rhino. Don't know what's happening there, but the I Got Kids thing was fantastic. I thought it was entertaining as crap. Uh, Drew McIntyre leaving the company and then coming back now and the way he's developing and how they are definitely making him in any type of title pitcher very quickly. I like it. And, hey, Jinder Mahal was a WWE champion. He had a great 90-day run, 90-plus day run, if if I stand corrected there. And um, I think the best thing for three-man band was them breaking up because it was a horrible stick to begin with, and they've all gone on to very decent and successful solo runs. And that's my tidbit about the three-man band. Michelle, what do you got?
0: I love them, and I want them to regroup because I think they could take over the world.
2: <laughs> like a pinky in the brain.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. I like it. No, you're totally right. They, I think them together was maybe a nice way for them to kind of get their foot in the door, you know, kind of get their feet wet. But mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. Them breaking up is probably the best thing, um, everybody, but, well, you know what, Heath Slater, I will give it up to him, when was it, the Royal Rumble, <laughs> the last time that I remember seeing him, and he just kept getting shoved out of the way until Braun Strowman literally picked him up and threw him into the ring so he could finally be in the match, um, but yeah, they've gone on to do great things, Drew McIntyre is going to really take over that company, he's going to do incredible things, um, yeah. Yeah. I'm happy that I'm actually happy that they're not together. <laughs> but what
2: a theme song, though, right?
0: How do you not jam out to that? You
2: can't. You I know you didn't want to dance. That's to gonna theme, be but your, in ring your head, you're, I think that's you're right. I'm gonna yeah. doubt That's my ringtone now. Whenever you call, bro, three man band. <laughs> Steve, what do you got? What's your what's your take on three MB? Just
1: yeah, just Jesus Christ! What a horrible idea this was to put these three together. Because it's oh my God, it was like it was it was the worst. It was literally just three dudes with uh, no identities, with no um, idea behind anything that they want to do. It was literally just three pissed off dudes with no direction, um, and and just the, the just the sheer ability to um, have total uh, neglect for any kind of idea of where they actually wanted to see themselves go. Um, I guess just looking at their bodies in general, um, it wasn't exactly like anything that you could really call call them a champion by any stretch of the imagination. Um, And that's literally the reason why Heath Slater is doing nothing today is because of the fact that he has very simply not taken, if you look at the other two and you very simply look at Drew McIntyre, he went out on the Indies. He figured himself out. He found himself. He understood the concept that a lot of guys do when they first come in and they get the shot right away. Bobby Lashley. He figured out the exact same thing. You have to go out there and you have to go gain that experience and then come back and take that experience and now you can go be a front runner to actually hold the title and be a top guy in the company. Um, well said. Uh, and uh, and um, um, oh my God, there's uh, and and Jinder Mahal. Um, Jinder Mahal uh he did the exact same thing he went out there and um for the people who think that he came back in and it's hilarious because there's a lot of people who believe that he just kind of came back in out of nowhere got a promo and then he just caught a promo and now all of a sudden he's going to backlash to go win a title and it's like no actually he was actually the guy that was fight that was facing Seth Rollins for the very first NXT championship so that's where Jinder Mahal was ever since the beginning. So he literally also did the exact same thing. And he was also getting quite the body about him as well. His body was in development at that point to like the ridiculous, whatever you want to call it, this masterpiece of just this holy crap. This Vince a masterpiece that just like, <laughs> It's ridiculous of just you know how much he actually devoted and dedicated himself to the gym, and, if, and anybody, yeah, okay, whatever, steroids, whatever you want to think about it, the guy works his ass off when he actually goes in the gym and really kicks his own ass. So as far as I'm concerned, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, the best thing that ever happened to those three, obviously, was that they broke up and got the chance to go off on their own and go do their own thing. So I guess we can
2: all agree, today we'll, also, we'll, we'll have two words we'll throw out, epic or fail. No reasons why, just throw out your words. Steve, three-man band. No, epic fail. I'm putting both of those together. (laughs) together. Michelle? Fail. Fail, yeah. uh, I'm going to say theme song, epic. (laughs) Stable as it was, fail. Wait, wait, wait.
1: Sorry. There's one really, really cool thing that they actually did, and that was that last promo when they broke up, and they got themselves fired and dismembered because they literally went in. And I think it was Josh Matthews that was interviewing them, and he was just so confused. Was like, what the hell is going on here? Because they literally clammed up and started doing their own
0: Oh, yes, because guys, we're live. Gender Ma, they made a mistake, and Gender's like, Yeah, can we do that back again? And he's like, Dude, we're live. How now, brown cow. cow, How now,
1: brown cow. And he just kept saying these things over, just kept repeating these really. Really so weird awkward. things over and over again. It was so awkward. It was, like it was watching amazing. Watching Ashley
0: Simpson like crash and fail.
1: You know what? And that was even one of the best epic, like best and worst promos that we never used. But it was like that was epic, and it was amazing. And that was the coolest thing Three Men Band ever did. <laughs> oh, I disagree. I think the
2: theme song was fantastic. <laughs> All right, let's kick it old school. Let's go back for a minute. Let's go back to these guys. You may not recognize the music, but I'll play it for 15 seconds.
1: wrestling fan in the world if you don't know who this is, by the way. Porn music they used to
0: have.
2: Yeah, this
0: like
1: romance model. But man, there was not a building out there that you played this music and there was not double hands with two fours
0: going on like was
2: all about these guys man. That's the end of that. But that music was the Four Horsemen. Started up in the uh, NWA, then went to WCW. A lot of different members, but more so the two like rock solid guys were, and forever will always be Ric Flair and uh, the Enforcer. I thought it was Mongo that was the original. No, m- I thought, I'm not going to talk about m- Mongo. Mongo was, was your Mongo.
0: favorite.
2: Stupid uh, dog! He used to bring on the ham. Yeah, no, so Mongo cute. was an idiot. Yeah. I thought he brought everybody together and oh, put the yeah. whole thing. And he was he the was glue. That cherry on top that held the four horses. Cherry <laughs> on top of what? An expired Sunday. Yeah, it was horrible. Mongo. Okay, so we're not going to talk about Mongo. We're going to talk about the four horses. We're going to talk about You know, they had uh, Sid Vicious was in it for a minute. They had uh, you know Benoit. You had um, uh, Dean Malenko. So many like okay, Mongo. Whatever, mm. there so many members, but Ric Flair and Arn Anderson were the the two, I guess you'd say, chiefs of that pack. Whatever the Four Horsemen evolved into, whatever members left and brought in came back. The Four Horsemen is a staple that goes beyond decades. And I mean, when you literally have all that talent wrapped into one, there's really no there's really no way to cut it. I mean, for me, the Four Horsemen was kind of when I I guess you say fell in love with Ric Flair, and I I knew I mean don't get me wrong, high flying, jet ride and I uh, those epic pro he cut back in the day, but the Four Horsemen, for me, uh, legendary matches, just, I mean, yeah, he was a promoter, and he promoted himself to be the world champions, you know, 14 times, he only really won it twice on his own, but whatever, still, the Four Horsemen, if you want to talk staples, factions, whatever, the Four Horsemen is literally uh, at the peak, top three, probably in every wrestling fan's mind, and if they aren't, then they're not a true wrestling fan, in my opinion, but the Four Horsemen, for me, Legendary uh, in every aspect of the word. I can't think of anything else to say. Steve, what do you got? Four uh, Horsemen. Same. It's
1: just legendary, man. Um, the, the, them, Fabulous Freebirds, those kinds of factions, they were the originators of what it was like to get together and show um, what true power really looks like amongst four individuals that just want to go in there like, the Bon Erics Like, it was literally like this. These Those kinds of factions were those legendary, unbelievable factions that people would just, like, as soon as their music hit, everybody knew that it was going to be a war. Everybody knew it was going to be awesome. Everybody knew it was going to be cool. Everybody knew it was going to be great promos. Everybody knew that it was going to be... It was just an anticipation of awesome of every time that those people, those four would really come out. Um, and to be honest, I think the time when I really stood... The, the Four Horsemen really took radar for me because I was the WWE guy. Uh, for quite a while, and then once I flipped over to WCW and started really watching, was the the you know the once the NWO hit, and then it was uh, and then it really got to the point for me where I started going back and was just understanding what Chris Benoit really had to bring to the table and how he was the 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 next Arn Anderson. What Arn Anderson did as the enforcer. Chris Benoit really took that to the next level of just this intimidating dude that just. He didn't say a word, and all he had to do was just walk in and kick the crap out of anybody, and it, and it just always looked convincing, and it looked awesome. And that—that uh, that was when Chris Benoit, slowly but surely, at that point, became my, my favorite was becoming my favorite wrestler at that point. And it was all due to just you know watching his contribution to uh, the Four Horsemen. Yeah, for sure, mm-hmm.
2: Michelle, what do you got? Four
0: Horsemen? Um, they're the OGs. When you think back to I like,
2: like it. I like it. Say it again. Say it again. OG. No, you gotta say they're the OG.
0: They're the OG. The OGs. Yeah. OG. They are. When you when I think back to any faction or stable or whatever, they're always like the first the that I head. think of in my head. They're the first ones that I uh, like really remember watching growing up, and uh, I think they're the ones who kind of set everything in motion for other people to kind of look up and be like, okay. If we have a group of people that kind of want to work together, we kind of have to follow that formula. Otherwise, things will implode, or, you know, there are things that can go wrong. Um, one thing I will say about them that I don't like is their soft core uh, porn music. That throws <laughs> me off. It's, it's like, you know, you're getting into wrestle, but that music is too suave Do to be think walking Ric Flair down.
2: You that theme song before he walked out of the bedroom. <laughs> like, I'm
0: why coming he, for you, baby. Why so curious about their sex lives. I you know what? It's to...
2: like it's like Brody from Mallrats. He was always very overly concerned about superhero genitalia. For me, I'm concerned about how wrestlers really get in the mood. That's that's where I'm at. All right, so all right. one word vote is in. Michelle, what do you got? Epic. Steve? Legendary. You can't throw legendary. It's either epic or fail. Epic. There you go. And I'm epic as well. So four horsemen, we're all about it. Let's, uh, let's throw it out to these guys here. These guys were a uh, 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 later-on fraction, kind of coming up out of the undercard. And uh, if you don't recognize the music, we will uh, we'll let you know who it is after. But check this out. We walk alone. Okay.
0: the music for The
2: Nexus. Your leader being Wade Barrett, who eventually evolved into Bad News Barrett, League of Nations, and then got the boot. (laughs) Hands down. But Nexus, Nexus, we saw a lot of stars come up out of that. Uh, One primary being, obviously, Daniel Bryan. Came up out of Nexus, really kind of evolved away from, was kind of really the only one that you saw something in other than Wade Barrett, I think, for me personally. But Nexus, uh, I did like the whole storyline with John Cena. I thought that was great. I thought that was entertaining. You can see John Cena get his butt whipped by like 15 guys almost on a regular basis for a little bit there. I liked it, but I could see why it fell flat, I think. For me, Nexus was like a modern-day NWO. There were just way too many members and not enough screen time, and the promos were always felt like it was just one guy talking and 15 guys staring off in the abyss looking at the crowd being like, so for me, Nexus was not a high-profile staple or faction, but um, I did appreciate what came out of them and what uh, what stars we got from Nexus. Michelle, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I agree. It's like a 3MB situation where it's like, okay, it's nice <laughs> that like... Theme yeah, song once for 3MB
2: was way better,
0: though. <laughs> I'll give you that. All right. Once they broke up, yeah, you know, you saw the stars and they sh- uh, they shone brighter than the others. Um, I think there were some really great bright spots. But uh, oh my god, I totally lost my train of thought. Because
2: so we're talking about the three MB themes. Yeah, it, that, gets, it, that gets that gets totally it gets you. That totally
0: gets me all really yet. I, I was, was like, oh god, I miss them. <laughs> don't worry, like the Backstreet Boys, they'll still come. No, 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 like the Backstreet Boys,
2: they'll come out again with like Jennifer Lopez and go on <laughs> tour. It'll
0: be incredible. It'll be
2: great. It'll
0: be great. But, but um, yeah. yeah, I think totally better apart, and I, I, I'm happy that yeah we have Daniel Bryan, Wade Barrett. He kind of. Um, came into his own afterwards, yeah. and totally, like, he can stand by himself now, and I think, I think that's, uh, a thing with these factions, maybe, it's like, yeah, you have to put some people together, so they, because they can't stand on their own, yeah, and then they, you gotta yeah, see yeah, and who, then you take the training wheels yeah. off, and mm-hmm. whatever, you
2: see who rises to the top, and who sinks to the bottom,
0: yeah, but yeah. I think, yeah, they also had too many people, it, it's, it's having too many, uh, hens in the house, right, like, You can't...
2: Too many chiefs, not enough Indians. Yeah, right? To go cliche. Too many cooks in the kitchen. There you go. Yeah,
0: there you go. You can't have, like, one dude kind of stealing the spotlight, and you have, like, six other dudes kind of just standing there. I think it was hard for them to let everybody shine. I think, yeah, the TV time and all that stuff kind of really played into it. But uh, happy they're gone. (laughs) (laughs) we'll we'll just end
2: it on that damn (laughs) shots fired steve what do you got what's your what's your take on
1: nexus oh i love nexus and i thought a lot of other people love nexus too it's just too bad john cena just made up a really bad idea of how to end it and that was really that was legitimate that's from like chris jericho and uh I, i think it was chris jericho and edge that uh were in the back after they had their 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 match their big match uh, I forget which pay-per-view or anything like that, but bottom line is they ended up having their match, and Cena went over on literally all of the members of the Nexus. When in actuality, it was supposed to be, and that that finish that night was actually supposed to be Nexus going over on Cena because Cena doesn't need to go over at that point, and Nexus really did. They were building them and building them and building them as a really dominant, dominant uh, as, as a really dominant stable. First of all, with the fact that they came out with, and really, not even first of all, only the fact that they came out on, a, on an episode of Monday Night Raw, and literally the whole point was for them to go out, and all they told them was literally go out and destroy the set. Literally what you saw with uh, Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa in that last in that last fight we hadn't seen the ring actually being ripped apart since that moment when they all of them came out and and even the commentators they didn't tell anybody about what was going to go down or what they were going to do because yeah. they wanted it to look so those reactions are the best though. Like when Michael Cole doesn't
2: know what's going on and he looks yeah. so confused. Those are the reactions. Like, dude, off.
1: all they were doing was panning to the fans. And if you get, and for those of you who don't even if you don't even know what I'm talking about, just look up Nexus destroys Raw set. Just look that up on YouTube, and it's just absolutely ridiculous. Or find it WWE Network. Um, Shameless plug. Nine ninety nine. Um Bottom line though is we hadn't seen a, a moment like that since the Nexus literally came out and destroyed the entire set. And to the point where um, they they were just really they were they were building them as that really dominant heel faction that they really needed to be because it was just these and it was a great story it was these pissed off dudes that weren't getting a fair shake in all of in, in NXT and NXT was just floundering it wasn't anything close to what the TV show was today and it was just a, a it was a joke of a show so it was a great opportunity to have these like really really brash dudes that know that I'm way better than this guy and they get to come in and absolutely destroy and take over and do whatever they want. So in, in reality, they were kind of like that modern day, um, at that point, the modern day uh, NWO where they got to run around and just wreak havoc. And then all of a sudden when they lost to, to Cena at that point, they lost all of their momentum and then they let David Otunga start talking. And it was just the worst. It was the most unbelievably worst oh, thing. Oh yeah, Otunga, yeah. But then, of course, you know, we got before uh, the Summer of Punk and before CM Punk, he, he went off and started doing his own thing. He was the brief member of the Nexus for a little while. We got to see him come out of it. Uh, we got to see, uh, of course, we got to see David Otonga, We got to see Heath Slater come out of that. Of course, we got to see Daniel Bryan. And, uh, and uh, yeah, it was, it was just a really cool faction that I, I would have liked to have seen gone longer than it, it
2: did, for sure. All right, so I'll give the first vote to you. Epic or fail? Uh, total fail. Total fail, okay. Michelle? I'm gonna say thank you for giving me Daniel Pryant. Thank you for giving me one of the three MV. But other than that, fail for me. There it is. I wasn't. I wasn't committed into the story. Plus, that was a time when um, I was kind of flip flopping in and out of wrestling. I wasn't. I wasn't an overly devoted fan at that time. So uh, it wasn't a storyline I bought into. I couldn't sink my teeth into it. There was nobody there for me. I have to have that connection. There's got to be something that makes me want to come back and see you and listen to you and pot commit to you for so many hours in a week and. I didn't get that from Nexus. Let's flip overseas. Let's go to a faction that uh, a lot of people know about now, but don't realize how long it's actually been around. Let's uh, let's go with these guys. See if you can recognize this music. Was the music of the legendary Bullet Club? I mean, let's run through the list, okay? You had AJ Styles, you had Gallows and Anderson, you have Kenny U- Omega now, Omega, sorry. You have, uh, well, you had Cody Rhodes, uh, Finn Balor, Finn Balor, you had Adam Cole, baby, my boy. It's like the list goes on and on and on of the amount of members that have come and gone and what they've risen to through this uh, amazing. Uh, faction these guys even had mm. cody hall at one point and that was only for like
1: a week but that scott hall's son ladies and gentlemen that was actually in the bullet
2: club for only only a brief moment so they've literally like had everybody <laughs> yeah it's one of those it's one of those factions that when you when you look at it the members that have come into it and evolved and uh, left it Uh, Because their evolution took them elsewhere. uh, is just astronomical. Some of them doing great things now. Like AJ Styles is literally the embodiment of everything great in wrestling today. WWE or abroad. But then you have guys like Cody Rhodes and Kenny Omega rocking New Japan. Cody Rhodes rocking Ring of Honor. Everything's so good. You had Adam Cole kind of leave. Swing over and start Undisputed Era. Which is a great uh, faction in its own right. We'll get into that a little later in the episode. But really, there's just so much and I'm not going to play every theme song. I'm just going to throw out some factions because yeah. to find every theme song would have taken oh forever. God. So, but some, the theme songs I found were worthy enough to play. Not saying Undisputed Era isn't, but, uh, the Bullet Club for me, uh, epic in every sense of the word. I put in my vote in now, epic from what, what, what's come out of it and how strong it is today. It's not a faction that's gone away. It's just evolved and gotten tougher and gotten meaner and gotten better. And uh, you have, like, you got the Young Bucks. There's, the list goes on and on of the stars that are in it now and the stars that were in it at one point. Like, they're really, the list is is ridiculously astronomical. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, they stole the two sweet, but whatever. It is what it is. But Bullet Club for me, epic in every okay. rate. Uh, Michelle?
0: Um, totally epic. I think it's kind of incredible to see just how much they've grown. And even though they've had members kind of not, be in japan and they've kind of gone off and done their own thing like the constant is still there though the the family is there right it's like you never forget where home is yeah and you'll always go back tonight to that sorry and i think that's really special and incredible with those individuals who have gone off and done their own thing but they always come back to support their boys and they're always like no we're we're family. This is like the modern important.
2: day Little Rascals. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like remember Little Rascals TV show they literally had like 20 kids rocking out that gang.
0: The He-Man Woman Haters Club. Yeah, the
2: He-Man Woman Haters Club. I'm sure they all love women like ridiculously though. But yeah, the, the Bullet Club literally has that yeah. membership. Yeah, that like, family. It's a yeah. lifelong membership. Like once you're in, you're family. Yeah. It's kind of like the mafia. Yeah. And even if you leave... Like you said, you always know where home yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Which is great. So, I mean, epic for you as well. Yeah,
0: totally. Absolutely.
2: And I think there's going to be three epics across the board. Steve? I actually am going with both.
1: I think it's an epic and a fail at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. I think it was epic at the time um, when uh, Prince Devitt, uh, he was running it. He literally went in as only not the promo guy. Gallows was there. And, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Gallows was actually the, the main man, the head honcho of... Uh, of uh, the the guy who was who was entitled for speaking because he was hilarious he was witty he was on point with literally everything that he would say to um, but to an opponent to really make them, like, really live in fear of what this faction was going to do to them. He was the nightstick when it came to really understanding how to really make the microphone really work. And it was magical. And then, unfortunately, came to WWE and I got stuck with nerds. So, uh, nerds! You really want to hear some really cool stuff of Gallows and Anderson. You need to go back to the beginning of when Prince Devitt and Gallows and Anderson, when they were all running together, but when it was Gallows particularly on the mic. Um, and then we go to, of course, AJ Styles right after that when he ran he ran the whole camp. He ran that boot camp like nobody's business, two-time IWGP champion out of a small list of people. Um, and the same thing with Prince David of, of, of uh, running with the IWGP championship. So that's where that heavy faction really comes from. And then, unfortunately... Uh, they really started to put way too many uh, cooks in the kitchen after a while. And a lot of people really do generally, generally agree with the fact that it really has become uh, the NWO black and the NWO white at this point Mm. where you got Cody's faction and then you got Kenny Omega's faction. And then somewhere in the middle is the young bucks where they're floating back and forth between the two, but particularly with Kenny Omega. Um, But a lot of people are still really up in the air of really just who is the actual leader of this faction of what what is really truly going on here yeah, in, yeah. in between the two boot camps that's really happening so um, at this point, um, I, I think it's really cool because of what's going on with Kenny Omega and where he's going and how he's really bringing everything up. And I think it's, I think in the grand scheme of things, it's just naturally meant to be that way because you have to have the two Americans that are really flying the flag proud so that they can really take new Japan more international. So in, in that respect, I actually do change it. I think it is an, an epic, epic,
2: uh, it, it is very epic. And I think they're doing this, this version better than, sorry to cut you off. I think they're doing this version better than, NWO Black and White versus NWO Wolfpack. Yeah, they don't I think they're they, doing it way better. They doing didn't
1: incorporate the finger poke of Doom, and they didn't incorporate like any of this other trash bag stuff that, that
2: Vince Russo I was really about incorporated that the
0: other day. Actually, the, the finger, finger poke yeah, of Doom. Yeah, and I was like, oh god, I hope they never
2: bring that back. Sounds <laughs> like something flared out in the bedroom, and it was awesome because yeah. they even talked about that idea
1: of just like where it came from, and it was really, it was honestly, it was really cool for what it was, and then it turned out to be just an actual epic fail because it's like, okay, you wanted Goldberg to actually come back and be the guy that was good. <laughs> Finally, have some some guys to go up against again. So, what better way to do it? Make him drop his title, and then bring it right back to Hogan. So then he has to fight his way all the way back to Hogan again. Mm-hmm. Just a really bad idea of the way they executed it. But fortunately for um, for uh, for Bullet Club, they don't really have that going on. And I think uh, I, I think for New Japan, I think that's the best thing they got going on for them.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think we're all three epics across the board. Yeah. So I changed it from an epic and a fail to uh, just epic. How about these guys? Let's go Attitude Era for a second. We are the nation of domination. Wow, man. So many, like... I mean, i got to get into it for a little bit. We may take some heat for this one, but I'm going to get into it for a little bit. Uh, very racist idea to put all your black wrestlers plus a Samoan wrestler in this whole little jar this little bubble and then you add a white guy later on which makes things even more awkward because at that point he was just trying to prove he wasn't a nugget um but still you do get a lot out of this you get a lot out of this like you got the evolution of the godfather out of this you got the rock coming into his own out of this um you got Farouk which eventually evolved into APA, yes. which were some of the best sticks and promos during the Attitude Era. That door in the middle of a warehouse was just That's great. D shaking his head like a retard. And then you had Mark Henry who was just sex became sexual chocolate. So, and even D'Lo had his own little good run as European yeah.
1: champion and a continental champion. He actually had like a really good solid run. And everybody really, every time his music would hit and come out and he'd swerve, he put his arms up in the air and swerve his head back and forth. It would be just like the cool, everybody loved it when he jumped on top of the top rope and did that shit.
2: Yeah, <laughs> uh, racist idea aside, what evolved from it was fantastic. What we saw, the, the characters that came out of it, the, the rest, like you said, everyone in that, everyone in that fraction eventually held a title. Godfather was Intercontinental. Rock was Intercontinental and WWE Champion, Tag Team Champion all around. D'Lo had his great runs as European and Intercontinental. Farouk, multiple-time Tag Team Champion. And now The Rock just uh, became uh, Forbes-listed highest-grossing actor. actor. And he started off off as Rocky Maivia, which everybody hated, then evolved into The Nation of Domination, then became The Rock, right? So the evolution stands in itself. Racism aside, what came out of it was beautiful. So for me just based on the success alone of this fraction, uh, I said, you said it. said
0: it like three times. No, before. I said faction.
2: No, no, uh, no. Oh shit. Nope. Out. She's absolutely correct. All right, <laughs> fine. So She's
1: absolutely the, correct. The,
2: the gold-wearing wrestlers that came out of this stable, racism aside, was fantastic. So I will say, just based on success alone, how many belts came out of this, I got to say, epic, just because literally all the gold that everybody wore while they were in it, and after it. So for me, nation domination, all racism aside, epic. Because the gold. The numbers speak for themselves. They don't lie. Jo, so what do you got?
0: Um, yeah, the first thing that popped into my head when I first heard, when you played the theme, was just like, oh my god. Racism. Just all over it. But um, This is wrong. Yeah, please stop. <laughs> um, I'm in my happy place. I'm in my happy place. I'm in my happy place. <laughs> but... um. Yeah, when you when you take a look at everybody individually afterwards, there's there's no dispute of like okay, they did great things. You can look back at a ton of people in wrestling history and be like oh, at one point in time in their career, they had a bad stick. They are the ones who got the crappy end of that stick for that period of time. But the the special ones, they're the ones who turn it around. So even though nation of domination whatever it was at that point in time, all of them took it with a grain of salt and they all were able to turn it around and make a name for themselves afterwards. So I think that's kind of cool. Um, Epic, how could you not? Well, i speak up? for themselves. Yeah, they right? just, like, I mean,
2: Steve, I'll give you a minute on this one then we'll move on to another one. Cool. Um, you know what? I think it was great
1: for all of them. Uh, D. Brown. I believe he was just, uh, cutting himself into the business at that point. Same with, same with Rocky, but, uh, uh, Rocky was uh, in a really bad spot with Rocky Maivia. Farouk was in a really bad spot with Farouk Assad. And uh, for, for those of you who don't know, there was, they gave him this gladiator outfit that was just like with this blue gladiator helmet that was just, what the hell is this? And then uh, with uh, with uh, Godfather, with Kama Mustafa, and that was just a really bad character. That was Kamala really... and Papa Shango. And Kamala before. and Papa yeah. Shango, and yeah. was just kind of in these shticks of, we don't really know what to do with this guy. And it was, we know what to do with this guy for the time being, but we don't have a long-term thing for yeah. him. right? Um, so therefore, and uh, same with Farouk Assad. And so therefore, uh, I thought that was absolutely incredible of what they did for each other. Um, and the fact that racism was a very hot button, and it was really it was very easy for them to go over his heels, because all they had to do was stick him with Austin and have him just say the one line to him: "This isn't a race thing. This isn't a color thing. This is a me kicking your ass thing." And that's all this is the, this is
2: about, and, was, and the really making crowds pop over stuff like that. And I thought it was great. Yeah, I agree. I do agree. All right, let's go into uh, let's get into something corny. We'll stick with the Attitude Era for a second. Does everybody remember these guys? does. Oh, Jesus, those are amazing. Good.
1: Stick on these guys for a little bit. If you don't know,
2: now you know. That was the theme song for Shane McMahon's pals, the Mean Street Posse from Greenwich, Connecticut. That's the Mean Street. Sweater
0: vests. You're not okay, but sweater
2: vests were like super in back then. But you're
0: not mean if you wear a sweater vest. Have you not watched Fresh Prince of Bel Air?
2: No, you're you're right. (laughs) You're right. You're right. We all remember the episode where Carlton was thinking... I would have stopped. We all remember it. And
1: that's literally hot all that was. Glasses. It was literally a bunch of Carlton Bankses, and they stuck them all in the ring and just let them go.
2: It was it was great. I thought was, their stick was amazing. amazing. The Greenwich Street fight was was epic. But, I mean, I, I get it. I get where you're going with, bro, I get it. The, 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 the shtick was a good idea. I just don't think these were the three right guys to carry it. I think they cast the parts a little too soon. My honest opinion. I think if they had maybe waited and kind of built up the Green Street posse and then gave us... Like somebody epic, like guys that I could I could have invested in, I would have cared. But every time they got their asses kicked, that's what I liked. I didn't care that sometimes he did pull out some pretty awesome moves. I just wanted to see anybody in a sweater vest get their butts kicked. You Plus, you just play- said
1: literally the entire point of their shtick.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just literally stated. Okay, so the then maybe I did. Of maybe
2: of okay, maybe I did buy into it. But I don't know. I just it wasn't for me. This was a fail. This was just a stupid idea that didn't work. And Vince McMahon just throwing crap up against the wall to see what sticks. Let's get let's get my son and some of his rich friends, and let's see what we can do. Okay, horrible for me, epic fail all around. I uh, didn't like it at all. Uh, Steve, <laughs> what do you got? Sorry, I cut you off. I have, my apologies. What do you got?
1: Oh no, it's it's actually okay. I was actually interested to hear your point. And actually, to be honest, Michelle, what's uh, what, what what do you, what do you got to say about these guys? Uh,
0: super lackluster. But just hearing you speak, they did their jobs because they evoked a reaction, right? They gave you a feeling, even if you liked them or you hated them. Check no, know I'm just saying the that list. they were great. Oh I'm just oh, saying you know. that they did their job
2: It seems like when they came out, this was your reaction. Oh,
0: my papa oh, out! My papa oh, out! Oh, oh, oh. Are You're you so kidding, kidding right me? Right now.
2: <laughs> Hold on, wait. Or maybe this was your reaction. Wait, <laughs> oh, that's the wrong sound effect. This one.
0: Talk about turning a negative into a positive. Yes. I'm gonna go out and buy sweater vests now. That's all I'm gonna wear from now on are sweater vests. And call myself Biff. Mm. <laughs> mm. I think they did their jobs, but yeah, totally forgettable. I I think if you guys hadn't mentioned them, I would have never remembered.
2: No, thanks, Steve, for that, because you mentioned them outside, and I was like, yeah, yeah, (laughs) we got to talk, because we're talking, we're talking, listen, we're talking bad, we're talking the good, the bad, and the ugly, Totally. and and these guys are definitely the ugly. (laughs) Totally. It's it's nothing about, (laughs) to a lot of people, nothing about it was good. To a lot of people, these guys were the ugly.
1: Could I take a couple of
2: minutes on these guys, like two minutes? I'll give you two.
1: Two? Two. Okay. Um... Pete Gas actually just recently started doing a string of interviews. He came out probably about uh, a year ago. He's not gay, but he came out in an interview <laughs> to talk about. Uh, <laughs> but you see, he, he recently did uh, some interviews on uh, Sam Roberts. If you look up Sam Roberts, he's done two interviews, as a matter of fact, of going into great extent of everything that those guys went through, which I actually didn't really understand. I kind of did at the time because I was trying to get the stick of, okay, so Shane needs wieners to go in there and take care of his business for him. And that's literally the whole point of these guys' shtick is they go in there and, and Shane, he's, he's going to go into a fight. Kane's coming at him or whatever. Shane sends in the mean street posse to go take care of his stuff for him. And it was just that kind of comedic shtick that I, I, that's what I got at the time. But what I didn't get was literally how green these guys were, that they literally just plucked these guys from, uh, the perform or, or yeah, they were working out at Titan towers um, when they were, they legit literally were Shane McMahon's friends, but they just didn't know how to wrestle. And so the whole point of what they were doing was to make this kind of a science experiment, see if it would work and see how long it could go for. And, and there's actual, um, there, there's interviews of, uh, of, of uh, um, um, uh, Bob Holly, um, talking about how they literally had bets going in the back to find out. When these guys would quit, because they would beat the crap out of these guys in every match. If you go back, and ladies and gentlemen, if you go back and look up the Mean Street Posse... In some of their matches, particularly with some of these guys like Bob Holly or whoever, they literally beat the crap out of these guys to find out how long it would take before they would actually quit the company. But they stayed, and they earned all the respect from all the guys in the back, which was actually incredible because nobody really decided to, uh, if you wanted to leave, then you left. And so therefore, um, I thought it was actually a really good win. I thought it was cool for them, and it was uh, it's really cool to hear it from the side of people who are literally just wrestling fans and then they slowly
2: but surely became wrestlers and earned the respect in the, of all the guys in the back. All right, he still didn't change my opinion, but I see your <laughs> point. I do, I see your point, and I appreciate your point. Uh, because you touched on these guys, I didn't really think of this theme song, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and play this one, now I hope no ads come out. <laughs>
1: I was just thinking the
0: same thing. I am the one. Peace,
2: peace. Woo! Oh, Michael Hayes, what's up? That was the theme song for the Fabulous Freebirds who were legendary in their own right, in the yes. 70s. And you can't talk Freebirds without talking Von Eric's So we'll kind of loop everybody in together. There's no need to play the Von Erich, uh theme song. But yeah, I mean, legendary battles all around. Uh, the fact that they were literally uh, the, the three-man staple, much like the New Day is today. They can literally pick and choose any two members to fight any given time. So really, um, any match is in your favor. Because if you need a powerhouse, they're there. If you need a high-flyer, they're there. If you need the brain... They're there, right? So you've got kind of every facet kind of looped into one, right? Yeah. You've got your talker, you got your walker, and you got your in-betweener. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't really know how else to rhyme that. <laughs> but you can't talk Freebirds without talking Von Erics But if you're a classic wrestling fan, as we all are in this room, we appreciate the Freebirds. We appreciated their induction into the Hall of Fame. It was well-deserved. And uh, I'm not going to say fail, but I'm not going to say epic. I'm going to say, in their own right legendary um but not really something i would put as just a grand success but definitely worth a mention so big ups to the fabulous Freebirds and uh to the von erics uh, steve what do you got on this one
1: um i actually i really liked uh because it's like you said you could really lump into i thought i thought it was epic because of the fact of what they did for uh heels and uh heroes and what it really came down to the von erics being of course the the pure, pure heroes. The girls loved these guys everywhere they went, and everybody cheered the hell out of these guys all the time. And um, and then uh, with Bad Street and <laughs> with the Fabulous Freebirds, um, they really gave a whole new meaning to what it was to actually uh, kayfabe the crap out of out of fans, uh, make them hate the crap out of these guys, throw things at them to the point where uh, the feud was literally ignited from an infamous incident in which Terry in, in which Terry Gordy slammed Carrie Von Erick's head into a steel cage door, inciting a riot and igniting the legendary wrestling feud. So therefore, that was just back in the day when kayfabe was so alive and well. And if you did something to their hero, they turned on you like a like a mofo and they would actually find you in, in bars and they would find you in the places that you were at and make a point to come up to you and, and tell you what a piece of crap you are for doing what you did to their heroes. So I thought that
2: was just such an epic time in wrestling and what it, for specifically for wrestling fans in general. No way, you're right. I think maybe I spoke too soon. But yeah, you're right. I forgot about that and it was well well pointed out. Yeah, you know what? For what they were, yeah, legendary in their own rights. Michelle, what do you got?
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree with Stephen. and even you made some good points that like, yeah, for their point in time, that's what it was, right? Like they were the ones on top. They were the ones who were kind of showing you how to do it. When you when you take a stand from like now and you look back, you're like, you kinda of maybe don't get it. And I think that happens with a lot of things in history, not just wrestling. But when you appreciate, like, the time that they were there for and what they were doing in that time period, there's no way that you can say that they weren't legendary and that they weren't epic. Because, you know, everybody was all over them.
1: Mm. Yeah. Especially if you picked on the Von Erichs back then. That was a time <laughs> when you just didn't, oh my goodness, you did not pick on the Von Erichs, and the fans did not support you doing that.
2: <laughs> all right, Let's talk about these guys, which was, I, I want to say, an evolution of the Four Horsemen, if I will. Everybody knows their music. Hopefully, no ads. Is it oh, see, I got an ad. Get some junk I got out an ad. Oh, here we go. Oh my god, I got it's so it. wonderful. I got an ad. I tried to avoid it. All right, that was led by none other than my boy, Triple H. You also had Ric Flair in the mix. Plus, you had the Animal, Dave Batista, and the RKO, the new Four Horsemen, if you will. Yes, yeah. the evolution of the Four Horsemen. Exactly was my play in words, but nice, nice as well to tie that in. But um, yeah, you know what? For everything that it was, you had, you know, you had the old school, the Wise Owl, and Ric Flair. You had the guy at the top of his game at the time, at Triple H, and you had literally to coin a phrase, the two young puppies, the Bucks, yeah. mm-hmm. the guys coming in. And they kicked ass, they took names, and everybody literally evolved into, or at the time, we already had one legend, we had one guy becoming a legend, and then we had two guys evolving into a legend. Now, mind you, Batista's second round, when he came back, not really the greatest. I mean, Bautista, we all remember that. Yep, But not still, his fault. <laughs> no, not his fault, but still, you, you talk about it and you break it down, you literally had championship amongst championship amongst championship. You had, at the time, the youngest WWE champion, and Randy Orton, which caused a turnover from Triple H, which eventually was the first nail in the coffin of breaking up Evolution. But everything they were, I gotta say, epic. Even Triple H with his Hulk Hogan handlebar mustache gonna, at the time. Yeah, I was gonna mention <laughs> yeah. Like,
0: the handlebars. Yeah,
2: he definitely went Hogan on that for sure. That mustache. Well, he but came, like,
0: really, super close with Lemmy. Yeah, was but, like, dude, I like your mustache.
2: I yeah, do it too. Yeah. my Semi- <laughs> theme song. That's yeah. probably
0: how they spoke to each other. Yeah, sing it.
2: Uh. Carl oh, yeah. on you know the what i just line. got mm. super
0: creeped out with that was so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, almost <laughs> like they were
1: like they're banging to like figure out the theme song <laughs> the you know, evolution that was evolution. So evolution.
2: evolution evolution but uh you know all jokes aside what are your thoughts i mean i know i know you two aren't as hardcore as, as i am on Triple h i mean i was as i've stated numerous times i bought into the guy super early in life but uh you know What were your thoughts on Terrorizing's uh, second faction? Because there is another one we'll get into a little later on. This episode's probably going to go to 90 minutes, which I'm stoked about because I'm having a lot of fun. Yeah. What's your thoughts on it? evolution evolution
1: um you know what i actually i i didn't first of all i didn't care for their stupid theme song in any way shape or form and i was just oh, let me you're cramming too many words into too many things you're trying too much stuff and it's not working but hey whatever i was just never really a big fan of really any of triple h's theme songs because of that um but i think i love i like the faction um i just thought it was just Too many stalemates of just too much powerhouse and not enough being able to cut a decent promo and not being able to actually like really move forward with cutting a decent promo and that kind of thing. You got, well, I guess not really because you had one side of Batista that couldn't really do it, but then you also had on the other end of things where you had Randy Orton that was really coming into his own, he was a super heel Just this pompous, arrogant jerk that was so easy to just look at this guy and listen to him. And he wasn't playing a character. character.
2: He really was back then a pompous, arrogant jerk. So it was easy for him. And then, hey, and, just be yourself.
1: Yeah, and then, of course, switching to Legend <laughs> Killer, of course, which we just recently, which Randy Orton just cut his last promo in the, in the on the on SmackDown and came out at the beginning of the show, cut this amazing Legend Killer promo to transfer himself back to that heel character again. The Roman and,
2: Reigns promo that should have been, in my opinion, but anyways. And,
1: yeah, actually, uh, you were mentioning that when uh, we we're, we're, were checking SmackDown, and uh, really, it just seemed to me like that should have been the promo that should have been in Roman Reigns two years ago, but instead turned out to be it for Randy Randall or um, <laughs> Mr. Oh, Mr Randall, call him Randy Mr. Randall look Orton. you said you could call him um,
2: by a lot of names okay, but three letters but just RKO okay. Um,
1: but uh, you, you know what I just I thought it was great. Uh, the mentor of the mentorship from everything that came from uh, Rick Flair and from uh, Triple H. Of, bu- of building these guys and actually putting them getting them to a spot where of course they're gonna break up and now you're gonna go off and go do your own thing because that's all point of faction in the first place and uh, yeah I thought both of their careers were really good and I just thought Bautista's when he came back was just simply not his fault he just was it was very 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 ill-timed and not in position that he could come back to uh, to anything that was holding a candle to what Daniel Bryan was doing for the fans
2: Michelle
1: show what do you got I'll give you a minute.
0: I think for that time, I think they all kind of maybe needed something to do. Uh, Randy Orton, I think that was probably the best opportunity he could have ever had at starting out, uh, regardless of who he's related to and who his his dad is. Um, He was put in a faction where he had two of the greatest minds. I'm sure he learned so much. And I think, like, you know, that's also probably a reason why he has gone so far as he has. Is he's always had, like, that free right Yeah, you know, you have knowledge or you ask the right questions to those people who have been around there longer than you have. And you're going to learn some stuff, right? Um, uh, I mean, during the time, I was kind of, like, on the fence of, like, do I like them? Do I not? It was kind of whatever. But uh, in their own right, I think nobody... Doesn't know who they are if you're like a modern wrestling fan you know all those four names and you know where they kind of came from and how that faction came to be you know their story um so I'm gonna walk the line of epic and fail because I do also feel like yeah it was just like a new age four horsemen and I think maybe they they could have done it a little different because I mean when you look at the four horsemen you had Ric Flair and Arn Anderson as the two staples. When you look at Evolution, you have Ric Flair and Triple H as the two. You know, you always have those two at the top, and then you have the two that are kind of learning from them. And maybe if they had kind of learned from their, not really so much mistakes of the Four Horsemen, but, you know, you can always do it better. Mm. People don't want to see the same thing. Even though there was time between, it would have been cool to see, okay, they brought back something like the Four Horsemen, but a kind of DX twist or, like, something with a little bit of a twist more for the era they came into.
2: Mm-hmm. All right. So, I mean, for me, Epic, just because who was in it. Uh, you, Epic fail. Steve, what do you got? Um, I, I think it was Epic and fail. Okay. So we got two Epics and fails on that. And since you tied this in so nicely, uh-huh. I have Same one way. question for everybody out there. Are you ready?
0: You tell
1: us what to do. You think you can tell us what to wear? You think that you're better? Well, you better get ready. Bow to the masters. Break it down!
2: Oh yeah! We're talking about another faction that held had my boy into it. This is where he really came into his own, which he had Shawn Michaels as the leader at the time. Then when he left the company... You had Triple H take over and bring in Xbox. China was there from the get-go. You did have Rick Rude for a minute or two as well. And then you also tie in the New Age Outlaws. And you had yourself so many legendary Attitude Era moments and promos. There's not enough to go on. And I don't want this to take up the bulk of the episode. So we're just going to make this real short, sweet, and simple to the point. But this is where we saw Shawn Michaels kick it up another gear promo-wise This is where we saw Triple H come into his own. And this is where we saw Billy Gunn and Road Dogg finally have a shtick that they could call their own and not piggyback off of somebody else. We all remember the smoking guns. We all remember the roadie. Let's not get into it. But the fact is, is that this was the Attitude Era faction that kind of was the other push on the Monday Night Wars. This was the shot fired back. And this was everything that WWE needed to research. Mm -hmm. They had Stone Cold Steve Austin coming up, but he was a lone wolf still in his own. This faction was all on another level. And you could count the championships and all that, but point blank, one word for me, epic. Not going to take too much time. Michelle, I'll give you 45.
0: I don't need it, just epic.
2: Nice. Steve,
1: 45. Oh, epic. DX was uh, just everything everything about what wrestling needed. At the time, the NWO was... uh, the NWO was supremely uh, r- running everything, and so they needed something to really counter it, and that was where DX really had to come into come into effect, and um, it, it made everything about wrestling so much fun. It made everything about wrestling so was so entertaining. Uh, watching strip poker while while a wrestling match is going on, uh, the, just everything about going to school and and doing the suck it to your to your body, and just like it just and especially it made it cool to wear a wrestling shirt at that point. When you were sporting your DX shirt at that point, it was just the coolest thing ever to walk up to your buddy and do the crotch shot to him. It was just so it was super cool. And I
2: loved everything about what DX did at that one run, not the comeback. No, no. the one all the two run. Co- the two comebacks actually. Remember when they were the Helmsley McMahon regime and they brought they came back together as the heel DX? And then you had Shawn Michaels and Triple H come back to do the PG thirteen DS. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like any of those like comebacks, I thought the one that ran its course, it was it's like really it's like the, the first movie. Don't try and make it another movie again. If you rather you struck gold on that first one, chances are you're probably because of those emotions, because of all the things that encompassed what you the reasons why. You created that in the first place. Chances are you're in new
2: places, different mindsets, all the above. It's not going to be the same as what you did before. Yeah. No, it was uh, It was definitely the first run was one word, and it was definitely epic. Mm-hmm. And since we're talking about the WWE faction, I think I said faction that time,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, let's bring up the WCW faction that was the uh, focal point on the other side of things. I mean, if you don't know, now you know. <laughs> which also stonewalled into this as well I mean, there was no no for me. I mean, NWO was was epic in its own right. Um, but there's some things to say about the NWO. Is you got to say we all know they oversaturated. It was a two year storyline that needed to run its course, and um, it wasn't. Uh, it was great in the beginning, just the chaos making Hulk Hogan a heel, everything about it in the beginning. But then there was member after member after member. Everybody was joining. It was like, hey, listen, are you a wrestler? Come join the NWO. And then you spilled over into the Wolfpack, which is hilarious because Sting always vowed he would never join the NWO. But then he goes ahead and joins the Wolfpack. Now, mind you, the Wolfpack was badass. You had Luger. You had uh, Kevin Nash. You had Stinger. You had Conan.
0: Yes. You
2: did have Conan. The Wolfpack, I love the Wolfpack. Even though I I didn't like the whole splitting off because it was an entity within an entity. It it made sense at the time, but also didn't. It was a forgettable period of the NWO. It was near the, the it was like that last little tip of the fire before it just went out. Yeah. But still, I love the theme song. I mean, Bad Boys of Wrestling. It's great. It's amazing. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I'm big on theme songs. What can I say? But NWO Black and White, which eventually spilled over and evolved and split into NWO Wolfpack before the epic, you know, finger push of death. So many moments that you could talk about, which were legendary: the bash at the beach, when the third man was finally announced, all that stuff. To uh, the epic promo, Bischoff cut on Vince McMahon: "Come find me, come fight me," all that kind of stuff. There Vince was a- fears ratings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Vince fears. There was a lot of great moments, but there were also a ton of bad. There were a ton of too much to get into, so I'm not going to take too much. I've already taken my minute, but for me, I'm going to walk that line of epic fail because it was epic, because it changed the landscape of wrestling, uh, but failed because it just went too damn long. Steve? Uh, that's, I couldn't have
1: said it better myself. It really just like gets to, it got to a place where it was so oversaturated um, that it literally didn't matter anymore if you weren't in the NWO. If you were not in the NWO, it was only a matter of time. Either you had to go to the NWO, or you were quitting the company and you were going to WWF at that point when it was WWF, and it was just so unbelievable. And I think the biggest nail—the biggest nail in the coffin of what they did. This will be the the, the only thing I'm really going to touch on of just what went wrong with it um, was the fact that uh, Sting joining uh, the Wolfpack. Right. Sting yeah. should have yeah. been on his own. Yeah, he should always have stayed. was a staple as himself. Yeah, it was literally to the point of if all they needed to do was okay, now you just got to get diamond Dallas page. Cause like, seriously, like he's the only one that's left to, on his own. And that's what made them cool was that they were the ones staying on their own and taking the whole squad on by themselves and, and this, that and the rest of it and getting away with it. And it was really cool the way they were putting them over like that and the way they were written in a storyline. But um, the way that this thing, Oh my God, uh, NWO just took over everything much the same as the way the bullet club is taken over now with, with merchandise is uh, you did it, it didn't matter what what building the WWF was going into at that point you were seeing NWO shirts going on in that in, in every building and that was really just that kind of level of what Hogan did to make that that leap and really just like it's it's that finite character in which he took and entrenched and made it. I'm going to go full steam with being a heel this it, with when I'm gonna do this I'm gonna make them hate me so much to the point that I still I've never seen a promo where somebody got hated so bad after they they got their initial promo of turning heel that night and they get crap and garbage and all kinds of stuff thrown at them or mean jeans even sitting there going look at all of this crap in the ring and it's just lit it was so lit of that that room that night of how impassionate those fans were and how much they hated seeing Hogan turn heel, their, their hero, turning heel and turning their backs on them and, and everything like that. I haven't seen a promo like that cut on a heel turning like that in a, it,
2: since since then, to be perfectly honest. I think that was a one of one, for sure. Yeah. Michelle, what do you got?
0: Um, I think for when they started, it was, like, such a beautiful thing. It was so great. But I think the idea that got into their head was, like, oh, my God, they like it, so let's keep doing it. Oh, thank you. But after a while, are you okay? Yeah, I'm focused on the moment. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm focused on the moment. Um, sorry. Um,
2: laughing at my pain?
0: No, I'm not laughing at your pain. Okay, I was well, laughing at um, your facial expression. My TNA vision is
2: full. I hear
0: the TNA. High All right. I'm at, I'm TNA, that's cool. My God. There are
1: no words! <laughs> <laughs> those of you who are kind of confused and don't know what's going on, George had a slight leg injury of like an epic proportion. It was like it looked like a cramp or some crap something like that. Yes, Long, something some went wrong, and so therefore it was a lot of facial expressions and, and not feeling so good in the face. So I didn't yeah, know what was,
0: was happening, ugh. so I wanted to make sure it was okay. What a horror <laughs> you would yeah. Finish your <laughs> point! Uh, for the time, I think everybody loved it, and it was great to build on it, but then, yeah, they ended up just thinking okay they like it and just kept running with that idea and wasn't like we have to switch it up we need to keep it interesting for these people it was just like give them what they want give them what they like we know this is the formula they like let's just continue with that and I think that was probably their downfall because then everything became so kind of predictable everything just became so muddled into like this big snowball that like nobody cared anymore by the end right like you're like well I see this all the time like who's left to join you right like Hogan's running for president here? right yeah, now.
1: Right? Why like, the hell would I... I don't, I don't get it. Do where just...
2: do you
0: go from
2: there? <laughs> He's running for president, and now you're doing the finger-poking dude. Oh, but you know what, though? Uh, I'll give him the credit, because one storyline that the Bullet Club actually stole from them was, who's the true leader? Yes. And you had that in when the Wolfpack split apart. When the Wolfpack story split off, that storyline can... Who's the true leader? Is it Nash, or is it Hogan? Who is the true leader of the NWO? And we have the same thing happen very recently. Well, who's the true leader of the Bullet Club? Is it Rhodes, or is it Kenny? Who who's running it? Yeah. So the Bullet Club—that's not a new storyline, ladies and gentlemen. That that was a storyline done in 1999.
0: But the so, way they're doing it now, yes, right? Like, like yes, yes.
2: Like like we said earlier, yeah. the way they're doing it now, they're doing it better, and the slow build is great. But, I mean, it's not a new storyline. It's yeah, not absolutely. like they've invented yeah. something new. I just wanted to put that out yeah, there. Yeah, no, no. Because they haven't. Yeah. Oh, and straight up, it was, I think, the biggest, the biggest
1: debauchery of all of it was the fact that their leaders um, were not good wrestlers. And that's that's the biggest part of all of it. We're the talking NWO true. now. We're though, talking yeah. NWO. I was, like, <laughs> guys, like, uh, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, sorry, whoa. the NWO part. And when you get to the when you're getting to these guys that were in the Bullet Club, yeah. You think about it. You think about the rundown of Prince Devitt, AJ Styles, Kenny Omega, Cody Rhodes. These names these that are names. at the top, they're they're big names, man. And when you put those two together, when you put two of them, when you put the two that are actually fighting for that real fight that's going on for who is the damn leader of this club and I'm going to fight my ass to beat your ass to be the leader of this club, you know that those two that are going in there, you're very confident that you know that it's going to be an epic match, of epic proportion. From, at a minimum, it'll be a five-star. Whereas you look at like the epicness of what happened and why the finger poke of doom actually had to happen. Because it was yeah. literally like, you guys didn't have a good match idea of what you could do, so you had to get... Creative with what you're gonna try and do but it was just like man your creative ideas didn't go anywhere close to actually being a, to exemplify of a ring Goldberg had more of a ring in ring aspect of more of an entertaining ring aspect than what was going on with uh, With with the with the old-school Hogan crap that I was tired of seeing and the Kevin Nash stuff of the big boot And the the stuff that I was just oh wow, I'm just so tired
2: of all of this Speaking yeah. <laughs> speaking of ideas that didn't work all right so so let's just let's just run this down real quick the only bright spot of the spirit squad two words Dolph Ziggler okay (laughs) but here's the funny part here's a, a thing that a lot of people don't know but I myself uh, am going to shed some light because I actually have ridiculous knowledge about these five idiots. Uh, Kenny was supposed to be, when they broke up, was supposed to be the next guy. Oh. The big guy. Go ahead, do your research. It's factual. Vince yeah, yeah, yeah. McMahon had a lot of faith in Kenny. Kenny was it. Kenny <laughs> and Kenny, Kenny! sucked butt. He came out in <laughs> jeans like a very early um, incarnation of Dean Ambrose. He would rip off his black white beater. And he was just, are you Hogan? Are you jeans guy? What's your freaking issue? Because literally three months ago, you were a male cheerleader. (laughs) So I don't get it. I don't see it. But I can tell you right now, you go back, you watch Spirit Squad on WWE Network. Altogether shameless plug for (laughs) $9.99 a month. You will see Dolph Ziggler, the evolution starting from then to what it is now. I want to talk Dolph Ziggler 2015 with Spirit Squad. And then let's, or not, sorry, 2005 with Spirit Squad 6, sorry. And then let's and then go. he
1: did come back for the one night. I think it was in like 15 with the, yes. with the Spirit Squad. Yes, like one night. But
2: that, let's talk about three weeks ago with the epic match of him yes. and Seth Rollins on Monday Night Raw. Not even the 30 man Iron Man match, which literally had a ridiculous amount of falls. Yeah. But you look at that, you, you could see it then. You go back and watch any Spirit Squad match then. He was literally the only guy on that squad that had any talent ability. that was doing anything. And for Bitsick Man to actually put his stock in Kenny, <laughs> epic fail on your part. Spirit Squad hated the shtick, loved seeing them get their butts kicked. They were the only thing that was very entertaining of that DX comeback. That yes. and the Vitzikman Man loves cotton thing yeah, with the chickens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That that was hilarious. The stand back shtick. A lot of good stuff came out of that. Uh, even when they got the Nickelodeon kids' slime yes, on them. But yes. it was poop. Yes. But it was poop. It was poop. Yeah. It was but poop. you know what? i got to say, I uh, hated the idea, but thank you so much for giving me Dolph Ziggler. I will say that hands down. So for me, Spirit Squad fail, but Vince McMahon, thank you for giving me Dolph Ziggler. And you're an idiot for putting your faith in Kenny. Just going to throw that out there. Michelle, I'll give you 30 seconds, and then we're going to move on to something else. What do you got?
0: Uh, they're a total epic fail, but uh, I appreciate the laughs. I appreciate the entertainment.
2: You saw the value
0: I, oh, in that. I saw the value in the entertainment. That's
1: that's yeah. what I was there for. <laughs> okay, Steve, what, what do you too. got? 30 seconds, man. They were seconds. a bigger Mean Street posse, I thought. Huh? I thought <laughs> honestly, I thought it was just literally a thing that like, all they had to do was just go in. All they had to do was literally, like, it was like Fandango. All they had to do was come out. Just start cheerleading or Fandango when it came out and dancing, and people hated it. They thought yeah, it was the worst thing ever. They were
0: so happy.
1: Just not behind it at all and couldn't wait to see these guys get their ass kicked. And so as far as I was concerned, I thought that was really epic of making them a good heel faction that people just loved genuinely watching their ass kick, get their asses kicked. And thank you for Dolph Ziggler. Really, really, really love that that came out of that.
2: Mm-hmm. All right, let's get into this. This is by far... One of my all-time favorites, and even though it has a man in it, I absolutely loathe. I will play this now. So you couldn't see it, but I totally forced them into doing
1: the the three the three fists. Oh yeah, I was sitting back and George was like, Come on, man, like, come on. like come
0: on. He took my wrist like I was his child and I was wandering off. Like, Don't, you Don't you talk to strangers. Don't you talk to strangers. Music's
2: playing right now, like we gotta we, we are the shield. Okay, right but now. No, no, let We're me set, Let you. me set the scene. <laughs> Survivor series 2014. It was a windy night. Are
0: you serious? Right I'm serious I'm building, I'm building. <laughs> a windy, dark, and stormy night. a dark and stormy ago.
2: night. Three men emerged from the crowd, put somebody through a table, no questions, and they disappeared. They were all wearing turtlenecks.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then we evolved into literally the shield, guns for hire. I mean, you have so much. You have you want to talk CM Punk era? You can't talk CM Punk era without the little tidbits of the shield for sure. Yep. You can't talk about the success of the three of them splitting up. You can't talk about the evolution of Seth Rollins to the architect, to the Kingslayer, to now burn it down. You can't talk about the evolution of Roman Reigns into a shittier Roman Reigns, into a shittier Roman Reigns, and then now he's a shittier big dog Roman Reigns, and you can't talk about the lunatic fringe. You can't. you can't. You can't talk about it without those, literally, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, The Shield, probably my one of my all-time favorite factions. Not gonna put it in a number, but it's in my top three. It is in my top three. And the other two, yeah, have my man crush Triple H in them. But... <laughs> The Shield, man, for everything it was, it was so great. And for me as a fan, I was pissed the day that the two tear shots happened and Seth Rollins turned his back on the Shield. For me, that's when I K-Fab, that's when. That's like the Von Eric headshot on the steel cage door. When that happened, I hated Seth Rollins for a long time because I didn't want the Shield to end. I really loved everything about it. I'm a big man. I'm a big fan of backstage stuff. I'm a big fan of slinking through the crowd. That's why I always said Roman Reyes should have stuck with that shit. It would have evolved him in something better. Don't get me wrong. His promo skills are on point now. And he's literally going to take the title from Lesnar. And I myself, Mr. Naysayer against Roman Reigns, cannot be more happier to see Lesnar, the title, get stripped. And I want Reigns, this time though, I want Reigns to show me. I want a big, I want a big, deep run. I want 9, 10, it. give me a year. Give me a 365 Roman Reigns run. I'm looking forward to it. I will never say that again, but I said it tonight. I'm looking forward to it. Give me a fighting champion, because I know he will be. <clears throat> mm-hmm. But you you got to admit, when these three were together, and even the reunion, right time. Because it made everyone fall in love with Roman Reigns again. It just sucks that Ambrose got injured, because we don't know how the storyline was going to evolve. Man. I'm pretty sure Ambrose was going to turn on them and go heel, but whatever. Still, the fact of the matter remains. The Shield, top three for me, epic. There is no fail. There is no fail with this faction. No fail. And I even got the word faction, right? Cause I'm hyped. <laughs> Fucking shield. Steve, I'll give you a minute. Cause I took like three. So I'll give you a minute.
1: You know what?
2: I, I, <laughs> you know what? I,
1: I, I really, I love the, I love the shield and yeah, I thought it ended a bit too soon, but at the exact same time, I think that was the whole point was to actually enrage the fans even more of why the, the, the turn really needed to so happen. And I, I would, I would yes. imagine that that was actually even part of the meeting of, you know what? No one is expecting this. So if they actually really, they think we're white hot right now. So if we do this, then there's, there's really no going back, and everybody's really going to turn on this guy, and they're going to turn on Rollins hard, and so I thought that was really tactfully done in the way that they really thought about that, um, and then, of course, um, it all came around full circle in the sense of how Seth Rollins in NXT, he won the belt, then all three of them really had, that was their thing, they were all floating, doing their thing, minus Seth Rollins, of course, because he won the belt, he's not exactly floating at that point, but when, he was able to hook up with the, the other two and bring in Roman Reigns and bring in uh, bring in Dean Ambrose. That really really made for that faction to bring themselves up and really earn their stripes of being the faction within NXT. Take out everybody in NXT and then come in and destroy everybody in WWF. So or WWE. So as far as I'm concerned, I thought that was amazing and I thought the way they brought them in with uh, CM Punk. I thought that was that
2: was really 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 cool. And you also had Paul Heyman cutting great promos in between yes. that as well, which was fantastic. Yes, yeah, up so- What do you got?
0: Um, I think, yeah, they were perfect for their time, like for the time that they came in. I think everything was done properly. And yeah, I think that the the Seth Rollins turn happened exactly the way it's supposed to. You had everybody like loving them, salivating over the shield. What's the best way to continue getting a really solid reaction out of people without having them feel like, well, I'm just going to see the shield again. Break them up, have somebody like Seth Rollins who has um all the in-ring ability that he does have the mic skills he was kind of like the full package have him be the one to break everybody apart because we know that he's the one who can stand on his own rather than giving it to the other two yeah Um, sorry
1: that's actually even what i meant by like i I steered off that for a second where he was the nxt champion and now he's the guy when he was the nxt champion and put them together he's got to be the guy to break him up
0: yeah yeah and it was it was perfect that way and i think everything kind of Played the way it, it did, and the reunion coming with them coming back, and like you know, pushing aside their bad blood. Um, I think it was done really right. It gave was, us yeah. a
2: fantastic t-shirt. I own it. I love it. <laughs> I do. I love it. That's one of my favorite t-shirts to rock. That and Mister Monday Night Rollins. I even got my two-year-old saying "Burn it down," so it's great. Uh, the Shield definitely, uh, all intents and purposes, were great. Yeah. But let's let's go back to a faction now that nobody liked, and we're very happy when they uh, broke up.
1: I swear to God, this is so shit that I actually forgot, like, what this was. Oh, okay, that's why I
2: brought it. I had to bring <laughs> it up. I had to bring it up. So can I run through the list of characters? Yeah, dude, go for it. Okay, you had King Parrot. You had Seamus, the caltech warrior Horrible, Irish accent I just did. You had real siv bushka bushka when he wasn't speaking any English. And then you also had uh, Alberto Del Crapo. Yeah. Mr. Getting Drunk and Stoned and Beaten Up on His Girlfriend Page. You had all that kind of bubbled into one. And they were, at the time, the League of Nations. Sheamus was the WWE champion. That's when he beat Roman Reigns for the 4 minutes and 15 seconds. Yeah, I think Something it Something like that. Rusev it was... was um, it was literally a thing to pull the title off of, off of Reigns, Reigns yeah, at that yeah. point. Yeah, and then it was. Uh, you also had King Barrett, who was the King of the Ring winner for that year. And you had Alberto Del Rio, when he came back, he won the U.S. title yes. from John Cena in John Cena's Open uh, Open US, U.S. Open Challenge. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you had a lot of gold there, uh, but you just you didn't have anybody. Sheamus kind of, I guess, was the leader, but no good promos. Nothing good came out of it. Barrett eventually got injured, then released. Alberto Del Rio was given his walking papers. And as quick as they came together, they were squashed. The fans didn't like it. Nobody liked it. It wasn't a good idea. So for all intents and purposes, epic fail. But one good thing did lead out of it. It got us the Epic 7 series between uh, Sheamus and Cesaro which developed into The Bar! And I yeah. like it. <laughs> I like it. So that was one bro- good point and also we got to see the evolution of Rusev who stayed stagnant after that for a long time and now we have Rusev Day.
0: Yeah. Which yeah. is a
2: great shtick in its own and he's cutting great promos The confidence levels there and like you said he's crossfitting like a champ and he has never looked better. Yeah. So for me... This was a springboard to lead us to where we are now. So epic fail all around, but it gave us some bright spots. Much like the Spirit Squad, much like the Nation, mm-hmm. much like so many epic fails that we had, there were bright spots. Nexus, Daniel Bryan, you had a lot of bright spots. So this led to those bright spots. I'm okay with it, but it was forgettable because it was very short. It was literally only um, when I checked it online, 46 days. Yep, they were together for 46 days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not, not yeah, like barely just over a month yeah. and a half. So we won't take up too much time, but I'll ask for your words. Epic or fail? <laughs>
0: uh, I want to say fail. I think they kind of just threw these guys together and was like, okay, here, just go do something. But for the bright spots that did come out of it, I mean, I understand. I think I've come to the point now where it's like, I understand the crappier things that I see because they got to make way for better stuff. So I mean,
2: I shrug
1: my shoulders at it. That's what I feel. League of Nations. Yeah. Not yeah. a fan? Yeah. Uh, just, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow. What a what a crap sandwich this turned out to be. Crap. Uh, crap what, are you what a crap Caesar oh, salad this really God. turned out to be. And then, you know what? It was really, it was no fault of their the own. Right. It was really just Vinnie yeah, Mac I just saw. putting an idea together um, that he, he just really wanted to put an idea together. It was like, you guys come out, do it. Do what I've done so many other times. I'm going to put this little corporate thing together. You guys all come out only. This time I'm going to repackage all this and am put all four of you, these strong bucks. And they were really, like at that time, it was like actually four leaders that they did really put together. So they had a good idea in what the idea of the League of Nations could have been. Just first of all, shitty name. Second of all, um, terrible idea. For what it would really turn out to be, um, just all it was, was just them coming out and beating up everybody, and then laughing with, M- with Mr. McMahon, and they would all hug, and then they'd leave, and that was literally the only thing they did, and it was just the most boring thing on Raw at that yeah. point.
0: Idea-wise, it was like, okay, but execution was just no. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So it's like Vinnie Mac's bedroom styles. Oh, Ooh, just Vinnie Mac all, all, <laughs> all the way around. All right, speaking of Vinnie Mac, I don't know if this is a theme song, but this is all I could find. These guys were hot. They're in the Attitude there. I'm out with it now, so I'm not sure, but it's all I could get. I'm talking about the corporation.
0: Best theme song ever, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna you had your, right.
2: uh, you had your Vince McMahon, Shane McMahon. You had the Two Stooges. You had uh, the Big Boss Man. You had Test. You had Ken Shamrock. Yeah. And I'm missing someone. I feel like I'm missing someone. Kane.
1: Uh, and yeah. Yeah, you had Kane, Kane, and then there was China, and then yes. there was. Yes, that's uh, right. They, they actually even floated. They, they floated the, a few, a few people, quite a yeah. few people
2: through the the the, the corporation. Uh, I like the corporation, though, for everything it gave us. It just gave Mister McMahon another platform to be hilarious, and it gave Stone Cold Steve Austin and DX something to fight against. It also yeah. gave us Mick Foley as a champion. Oh, oh I, I, did I mention The Rock? I don't think I mentioned The Rock. The Rock was also a big part of the corporation, but it gave us Mick Foley as a champion, uh, which uh, I loved. I loved the, the, and the Rock and Mankind uh, battles that they had back then, the empty arena match. There were so many great ones. And uh, yeah, I, I just, the corporation for me was just the highlight of hilarity and the attitude era. When you needed something to hate, you could hate it. And seeing him walk out like a pompous, arrogant jerk was just everything that it was meant to be so
0: Strut.
2: yeah so yeah it was great i loved it give him one clap for that but i love the corporation i thought it was epic in all of its intents and purposes and everything about it was great so uh what do you got not too much time i'll give you like 30 seconds
1: yeah man i, I thought the corporation was just it was cool for what it was and like you said i thought it was just something cool for uh for for steve austin and for dx and Right, everyone to just kind of like fight to fight against have a reason to fight against and i believe also it was at the time when uh, trips towards quad and then that was in 99 that was about that time or no sorry it was uh it was uh, when, when was that it was uh oh one is when he, tore his, quad? When he tore his Quad. yeah yeah yeah. so um before that that was pretty much it that that was the epicness of uh 99 when you got into the real serious epicness of uh the rock and Triple H, and it was really just like they're fighting for who was leading the corporation and this, that, and the rest of it. It wasn't just Vince McMahon, but it was when you really got to see that storyline really unfold to what it really was, and I thought that was really just super cool of, of what we got out of all those storylines and what we got from the pushes from all those guys that were in it. Michelle, what do you got?
0: Um, corporation, I think, is great um, when you think about it. That's always that's a stable. It's probably never going to go away because you can always find a way to incorporate that into anything. Mm-hmm. I think it, it was perfect because it's never that is it's never going to go away. Like any of these other stables that we've seen come and go, the corporation will always be there and they can always use that. Um, When things are dead or there's a lull or something, they can always, they always have the opportunity now to throw the corporation back in because. Well,
2: they've done right with the authority. The authority is still there. the staple point. is just evolved from the corporation to the authority. Yeah. And I
0: think, yeah, that's probably the best thing about it is that because it is made up of who it is made up of, uh, sorry, made up of, it has no end. Right, so there's as
2: long as the man's are breathing, there will always be a corporation right? or an authority.
1: Yeah, and that really is just like the ultimate. Well, like at that point, really, like who hates their job more than the average day worker? So it's really just like at that point when they they see their boss is just running yeah. around and wreaking havoc all over their employees everywhere, they were it smart, makes yeah. the man very, very, very easy to hate. It makes all the people who surround themselves around this dude. As they're just they're just call them a bunch of kiss asses and it's the super easiest way ever to make them heels and to keep them heels and to make them the most unbelievably hated people in the company. All
2: right. Well, I got a couple minutes left. Talk about one more. This Come is on. the one and only time that he kind of ran uh, a faction, a stable, if you will. You may remember these guys. I don't know if this is the theme song, but I'm trying my best here. don't know, that is the Undertaker-led Ministry of Darkness. In the Ministry of Darkness, you had, uh, well, the Undertaker. (laughs) You had um, uh, the Acolytes, who eventually evolved into the APA. You had Midian. uh, Midian. Viscera. Yes. uh, King Mabel, with contacts. Uh, and you also had uh, Gangrel for a minute. Yes. And then eventually he was booted out, and it was... Well, they were the brood. They, well, were, they were the, the in general. They were all, <clears throat> all in it. <clears throat> yeah, and then, well, eventually Gangrel was kind of kicked to the curb, uh, and mm-hmm. Edge and Christian evolved out of that. Yeah. But um, you know what? For all intents and purposes, the Ministry of Darkness was cool. It was a dark faction, and when they were taking people, and then they would come back different, you, you wanted to know. And then when Vince McMahon came out as the leader that's when I tuned out because I was like, dude, you can't be over here and now you're over here and you're just trying to be
0: cool everywhere. Yeah, you you use
2: your own daughter. It was me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. So I think much like NWO, great until you had an authority authority figure join it, then it kind of became like, eh, but I did love the things that came out of it. Yes. And I loved uh, the darkness and the creepiness that we saw. Where to, Stephanie? Like, there was a lot of great moments for the Ministry of Darkness, but also a lot of just not done great. So, for me, I'm going to walk that line of epic fail on that one. But I did like it, and it was, I mean, everybody needs to run a faction at one point. Yeah. So, I mean, you could do talk the same thing about when you had the invasion angle. Stone Cold was running yeah. ECW. You had, um, you know... You had um, Shane McMahon overseeing WCW, and then you had Vince McMahon, WWE, right? So, I mean, you could talk about them as factions too, but you really can't because it was kind of a different angle. But uh, everybody needs to run a faction at one point or another, and this was The Undertaker's shot. I thought he did well with it until we found out that Vince McMahon was pulling the dead man's strings. That to me was a little head scratcher because he's a dead man. After the urn was busted and he dropped Paul Heyman, I thought he couldn't be controlled. Paul or sorry, yeah, thank you, Paul Bear. I thought he couldn't be controlled. I thought he yeah. was kind of like a, 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 a wild animal at that point, mm-hmm. but uh, then you still found out that Vincent McMahon was pulling the dead man's strings, and it was a head scratcher. So for me, I'm going to walk that line of epic and fail. What do you guys think? And then we're going to wrap her up for the day.
1: No, I agree. I think it was an epic. I, I think it was honestly it was an epic, 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 unbelievable, colossal blunder when it came to uh, just the the end result of uh, even Taker, um, even, even Mark Calloway, even when he talks about the Ministry of Darkness and just how. A lot of people, they just thought it was way too satanic. Um, I thought it was cool as hell. Uh, I thought it was really cool of how they were really pushing. They were pushing some boundaries every single week of just, like, putting people on crosses and and having these satanic rituals with them every week and and changing people into putting crosses, upside-down crosses on their forehead to... Show their their allegiance to the ministry and just really like going out of their way to very do that. Um, very very occult like, and that what turned a lot of so people I'm off. Guilty. But to me, it was actually there was a lot of there was a lot of it that I wanted to tune in. because I wanted to find out what the ministry were going to do next to, to corrupt the roster of the WWF at the time. Um, and Mark Holloway, he very, very, very consciously puts that in consideration. The fact that it was like, dude, that was my faction that I actually wanted. I was on my own. I was doing my thing. And then Vince came to me and said, we're going to put it together and I'm going to be the leader. And so that took literally all the focal point off of taker of how cool because that was at the point where taker he was doing promos but it were they were very cool promos they were sermon like promos and they were very awesome especially sitting in his his chair is like his, 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 his Satan chair and everything it was so sick and like to me when I remember all of that, um, it just, it, ma- it it makes me laugh that it just never really got a chance to actually continue and carry on to really build the undertaker as that dominant satanic heel that he was really meant to be, if he was going to be that guy. And sorry. And unfortunately, Vince kind of took
2: over all of that. Yeah. Vince, Vince kind of caused yeah. a lot of blunders. Yeah. So uh, a couple of other honorable mentions we didn't get to today, but, uh, we did want to touch on sanity. It's another great faction that's out in existence right now. Yes. And also you have Adam Cole led undisputed era. Yeah, and also, Michelle, yeah. what did you think about uh, What, what did uh, you think about the ministry?
0: Pretty good. Uh, the only thing I can remember about The Undertaker, honestly, is that I was terrified of him until I was 13, <laughs> and I thought he lived in my closet, and I'm not even messing around. My mom used to, uh, when she got out of the shower, she would just flip her hair over her face when it was all wet and, like, roll her fucking eyes back, <laughs> and pretend to be The Undertaker to her, like, you know, her little child. So, totally scarred by that. But, um, yeah, Vince McMahon, like he always does, he kind of puts, I think, too much of a sprinkle. I think a little bit Vince McMahon's sprinkle is not so bad. But once you get into, like, just heap loads of it, that's when everything gets ruined. And, yeah, I think he ruined the Ministry of Darkness. Like, nobody—the Undertaker's supposed to be a dead guy who's walking around claiming people— we don't want to know that there's somebody controlling him like a voodoo doll that's right? exactly like, why like, i yeah, failed yeah, yeah that,
2: that that was that was that was my point to my point exactly yeah, you're right and that's that's when it went downhill and that's yeah. when i was like oh
0: it's nobody advanced. wants
2: this. Yeah, nobody right. wants this. Yep. So, yeah, you know what? I think uh, I think we're all on the on the epic fail line. Yeah, where it, it was, was a, epic for yeah. a minute, but when we found out, it, as you, when did you it, find out
0: the truth, you're like, go ahead this and do it because
2: you do it so well. It was me. Austin. It was me,
1: Austin. It was me
2: all along, Austin. <laughs> you're far. So you know what? Uh, we I think we touched on a little bit of everything. We went old school. We went new school. We went current. We went attitude era. It's a lot of fun. Like I said, we didn't get a chance to touch on Sanity and Undisputed Era today. Those are two current factions, one in NXT, which is hot as hell, and one that's on SmackDown, which is kind of going toe-to-toe with the New Day. So I like those two factions for what they are. Um, But I wish we could touch on them, but we just ran out of time.
1: And I also think that we just literally, like, in a way, because of those two factions, there's not really much that we can't touch on about every single faction that we did today. That they incorporate all of those elements of what is great about a faction, how to keep a faction together, and when the right point is. I have confidence in both of them that they'll understand when is the right. That Vince will understand at this point through all of the other factions that have come and gone of how to dismember them and how to make how to them go properly. off onto yeah. the, yeah, exactly, of just how to do it properly and really, really, really exemplify what it is to have a great faction and then let them go off on their own and be their own persons of whoever it is, or whatever, whenever
2: that time comes that they're going to need to do that. Absolutely, which, uh, which is where all factions got to go eventually. You yes, gotta break up. Respect. You yes. gotta, you gotta break up. Exactly. So that's it. That's the uh, that's today's episode in the can. Next week is our big episode number fifty. Gonna be more excited because it's my turn at the Superstar Profile, and I had a chance to lay down an epic tell all of Mister Owen Hart. It was my all time favorite, much as Chris Benoit was yours. Had a chance to really dive deep and break down everything from his great career coming up to his untimely demise and the aftermath of everything. That the fans lost, plus his family and his friends lost. Yeah. So uh, that one is great. Uh, it's, it's not going to be a live one next week. That one, it'll actually be released on iTunes, Google Play, all our platforms at 7.30 next Wednesday. And that is our big episode number 50, our superstar profile of Owen Hart, which uh, I had the ability to write, and it uh, was great. Steve and I had a fantastic conversation. And, uh, Michelle was, uh, Michelle was busy that day, so she couldn't come out for that one, but still, epic conversation all around, and I can't wait for everyone to sink their teeth and to listen to that one, because it's a hot-button issue again, and I had such a pleasure diving into one of my all-time greats, one of my all-time favorites lives, so I couldn't be more, more happy with the way that one turned out. And that's it! Faction episode is in a wrap. So, I am your host with the most, and you all know my cohorts of crime, Steve the Animal Mitchell,
0: and Michelle LaRugio, the voice of reason.
2: And don't forget, guys, next week, new episode, number 50. Can't believe we're there.
0: 5-0. It's my epic. God.
2: We're, in the, we're almost we're halfway to 100. I know. Uh-huh. Halfway to we're 100. We're halfway there, Oh, next. I'm just going to play it out. Nobody bought <laughs> into oh, that all, right. all right. It was me, Austin. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, we'll see you in two weeks live. But next week, don't forget, episode 50, Career Superstar Profile, Owen Hart. Take it easy, guys. Sick night, guys.
1: Thank you all so much for tuning in. Catch us every Wednesday at 7.30 on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Also be sure to follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook and Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling and Twitter at underscore straight talk.